Hi everyone, I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Alexandra Lubin, postdoctoral research associate at the UCL Cancer Institute, and Dr. Jason Otterstrom, application scientist at Idea Biomedical, who recently joined us to discuss the use of deep learning-powered automated microscopy and image analysis for fast in vivo zebrafish screening. Let's get right into it. All right, first one, how long does it take to process a plate from adding the embryo uh, until getting the data? And so, Alex, uh, I'll ask you to lead this question. Okay, so it's going to slightly depend on what you're doing, but for our application, it probably takes me, say, five minutes to load the plate, 15 minutes to image the plate, about 20 minutes to process the images, and then about 10 minutes to run the Athena software to get the data out. So less than an hour from from start to to finish for for 196 World Plate. Wow, great. Jason, anything to add to that? Yeah, it's it's really the goal that we were trying to work with. Okay, now my mic's on. Okay, I think that um, I don't have anything to add. That was really the goal of of working with Alex and, you know, making the the throughput work for her and and her needs and her, her assay. All right, fantastic. Next question here. How flexible is the AI algorithm with different phenotypes of embryos? Jason, do you want to leave this one? Sure, I can I can field that one. So basically, the, the AI is, uh, as Alex demonstrated, with identifying the eye, uh, quite flexible in many aspects, but it really depends on the structure. So, so really easily identified structures are going to be obviously more resilient to, to the different types of phenotypes. If it's, if it's an enlargement, but the types of pixel intensity values are similar, it's likely going to work well. If, if there's big changes in the pixel intensity values, then there might be more problems. But the nice thing is that because we uh, work closely with our clients and we find out about these, as soon as, the, as soon as we know of a phenotype that's not properly identified, we can update the AI training. Uh, and then it's spread to all users. So, you know, that's one of the things that having a centralized AI training algorithm enables us to do is to collect all of the different phenotypes from many different laboratories, many different uh, samples, and co- combine them together for uh, a single approach in terms of image analysis to improve reproducibility. So that, you know, one client finds some different phenotype, we retrain the system and it works for everybody else. So even though it doesn't work initially, it's something that can be easily adapted. Fantastic. Great answer. Uh, Alex, You in your presentation, you showed the example of uh, looking at uh, eye sizes. I don't think it was your work, but maybe one of your colleagues. Do you have much experience working with different uh, embryo phenotypes? To be honest, a lot of it just came from, from seeing what the, the Hermes could do. So most of those examples I showed at the end, we could achieve without much expertise in a kind of one or two experiments. So yeah, I mean... It seemed, as I said, it's, it's been pretty flexible for us. I wouldn't have been able to set that up without the, without the system. So, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And so I think this kind of leads into the next question. Do you need much expertise in machine learning to use this uh, software effectively? And Alex, maybe you can uh, maybe elaborate on that a bit. I mean, I have none. So <laughs> I'm going to say no, you do. I mean, obviously, we didn't do the training of the algorithm. This is just the the user end. But as a user, no, you don't need anything. You just need to sort of 
know what you want your readout to be and then just fiddle around with the parameters until you can get something if like i mean jason's been very helpful with that but again those later examples we did entirely independently but yeah i'm have no computer background at all so definitely don't need that <laughs> sorry as well uh, maybe Liam, if i could just chime in as well uh as the the you know in the software demo there was a little bit talking about the manual drawing and while you know our focus is on automation sometimes you know manual intervention is needed and that's why we have the manual tool so that we can receive feedback from from the users help them define new structures have them correct uh, existing structures these are things that you know we've, we've incorporated into the system and and so that you know we can make it work for what they need. You don't have to do anything more than just draw, you know, on your screen in order to get what you need. And if it's something that's going to be done repeatedly, we we will add it to the to the list of supported structures. Fantastic. All right. Next question here. What is the the sample format that is required to be used with the system? Jason, do you want to lead that one? Sure. So Alex used a specialized 96 well plate that was specifically designed for orienting the fish on their side, uh, which is something that, you know, Alex elaborated on in quite some detail and as well as in the, the resource article. There are a number of other methods to orient the fish. So there's like these stamps that can be made of, of all kinds of materials that will make a little trough into agarose. And that uses a standard 96 well plate. That's perfectly fine. Uh, I've imaged fish just in 96 well plates that you just plop them in and, and scan the whole thing. That's fine. Uh, if you have multiple fish inside of larger dishes, like the, the 12, the, the, the 12, 24 well plates, those are also fine. Just, you know, the more images you acquire, it does take more data, which you need to make sure you have the right hard drive to accommodate your, your, your data needs. But uh, there's no a priori requirement for any type of sample. Uh, if you want high magnification, then the objectives do limit you to having these thin number 1.5 thickness cover slips uh, on the bottom. So, you know, uh, 170, 180 microns. But other than that, anything that will uh, fit in the system, normally standard SBS format is, is perfectly fine. Perfect. All right, next question here. Can the software analyze similar data obtained from other platforms? Alex, maybe we'll start with you. Have you, have you tried to do this yourself or? Uh, so we haven't because we started using, we started the other way around. Basically, we were using the Hermes and analyzing using things like ImageJ and then moved to Athena when we started working with Jason. But I think it can, Jason can probably elaborate a bit more there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm happy to elaborate. So uh, the, the Athena itself can accept images from third-party microscopes, but we are preparing, to re uh, preparing a new product to release that is a standalone version of our anal uh, analysis software so that it's going to be designed to work specifically with images not from the Hermes. And we, we are definitely excited to bring it out. Being a hardware, you know, kind of microscope company to fully supporting software, that's something we're interested in getting into. It's uh, lots, lots of new stuff to learn, which is fun from my end. And uh, yeah, so if anybody is interested in learning more about uh, that to be released product and staying informed for when it's available, I invite them to contact us and, and we will definitely keep them on the loop so that they can know uh, as soon as that software is available to, to expedite their experiments. Fantastic. 
uh, is it possible to work with older fish, just such as a five or ten DPF? And maybe I'll maybe broaden this question to a little bit by just asking, what are the kind of age ranges that you can use this system for? Uh, Alex, you talked about this a little bit in your presentation, so I'll ask you to lead this question. Sure. So um, from our end, um, from what we've done, we found that it mainly works with two, three, and four-day fish, purely because the younger fish struggle with the centrifusion. And for our orientation needs with that zebrafish plate, we just found that they didn't sit in the wells very well. So we tried it with six-day embryos, and the ones that were on their side could be analyzed, but we were maybe getting 5 to 10% because they've got developed swim bladders by then. But if you could find a way to image them, then I think maybe Jason could elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, in, in principle, there's no reason that uh, a six-day-old fish shouldn't be, be able to be identified. Uh, as they become thicker and more opaque, Maybe the anatomy will need some retraining, but it, as long as it's visible to a human, it's probably something the computer can be taught to identify as well. On the lower end, yeah, uh, I did manage to get some images of 24, 24 hour, or no, 28 hour post fertilization fish in just a standard 96 well plate because, uh, as Alex mentioned, the, the, their gigantic yolk sac does not uh, tolerate centrifuging. There were other challenges when they're that young, but we were able to analyze them and detect them, uh, and some of the internal anatomy as well that was visible. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.